0: reading from uh, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 7 through 11. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, and, other, uh, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. Thank you, Christopher. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Christopher is so ready to just be up there and do his thing, and I just got in his way, and What a blessing it is to just be able to be here and worship the Lord together with friends. Thankful for that. So may the Lord help you connect to everything that we have going on this day in worship and in our fellowship. It's Potluck Sunday. I wore my special potluck shirt. This morning we continue in 1 Corinthians. We've been spending some time there. And uh, we'll be in the 12th chapter today talking about gifts of the Spirit. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So in their pagan past, uh, some of the Corinthians who come from that background, they were used to giving themselves over to idols, mute idols. Uh, Paul tells us that Uh, There are demonic powers standing beside the pagan idols, and that's the way that something mute is able to lead them astray. But now their spiritual identity depends upon the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, manifest in this recognition of the lordship of Jesus. Jesus is Lord. So both paganism and Christianity invite a person to give ourselves over to spirits. Uh, But not all spirits are the same. Not all spirits have the same, uh, uh, same intentions for you and with you. They're not all trustworthy. They will lead you in a very different life direction or trajectory. But the Holy Spirit is Who we seek to have guide us and lead us in our life. And uh, the scripture gives us certain addresses where we can find the Holy Spirit. If you want to look for the Holy Spirit, here is one of them Jesus is Lord. If you are being led deeper into reverence for Jesus, deeper into praise, deeper into love for him, you can bank on that, Paul says. You can depend on those feelings toward Jesus Christ. If you are progressively surrendering and delighting in the lordship of Jesus, you can trust that desire. You know where that desire comes from. Clearly, you are being led by the Holy Spirit. Um... And I think this applies to more than just words that we say. It is our words together with our objective actions in our lives that we play out. In the power of the Holy Spirit, the distance between the words that we profess and the actual actions of our life, that gets smaller and smaller. You know you can say words and then not follow those words? We all get that, right? there's a certain duplicity uh, or hypocrisy that we all have, that gap in the power of the Holy Spirit gets smaller and smaller so that the words that we pur- profess, the faith that we hold those actions of our lives are going to match up to that more and more uh, likewise uh, on the other end of that equation uh, I don't think very many people, there are some, will say out loud, curses on Jesus, or Jesus be cursed. And uh, But you can uh, live your life in such a way that that gap between your words and the actions that you have, that gap just gets wider and wider. It is the opposite of sanctification. It is giving yourself over um, uh, to something else other than the lordship led by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them And in everyone, it is the same God at work. Same God at work there. Did you notice Paul's little nod to the Trinity there, I think? Spirit is mentioned, Lord is mentioned, God is mentioned. Uh, So verse 4, gifts are bestowed freely by the Spirit's grace. Gifts are intended to be used in Christ-like, a Christ-like attitude of servanthood from verse 5 and verse 6 of chapter 12. Gifts are the result of God's powerful working in a person's life. I don't want to make too much of that, but I think that it's there. Um, but Paul's main point in this is to help us understand that there's wide variety in these gifts. Gifts. Just as we work in different ways, there are different kinds of work. We all get that. We understand that, don't we? Just as there are different ways that we can serve, so there is a variety in our gifts and roles that we receive from the Holy Spirit for the benefit of the church. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Who gets a gift of the Holy Spirit? everyone, who is a disciple of Jesus Christ, and you've been baptized into Christ, there is a gift available to you. Now, you have a a choice in how much you invest in and take hold of that gift. You can quench that gift and refuse that gift, and a lot of people have multiple gifts made available to them through the Holy Spirit, and maybe these will come at different seasons in a person's life. But everyone, everyone gets something from our generous God, something that we need. And why do you get a gift from the Holy Spirit? It's for the purpose of the common good. That means there might be some individual benefit to a gift of the Holy Spirit, but the highest expression of that is for building up the church and building up the body of Christ for sharing it with others for serving others using that gift for the benefit of other people Uh, no one gets left out of the the gifts from the Holy Spirit he gives something to everyone so each one of you has something to rejoice in something to steward and cultivate from the Holy Spirit, something to learn to be content with uh, so you're not comparing, you're not putting a, a value placement on these different gifts, something that you are learning how to take in your individual life and gifting and learning how to bless the church community. Uh, that's ideally Also, sometimes we do not fully embrace these gifts of the Holy Spirit and we quench them and we uh, do not develop them and we do not give ourselves over to them or to receiving them. But the fullness of these gifts, they are not contained in an individual. They are also not contained within an elite small group within the church there is something for everyone to be doing and a part that everyone needs to play and it's for the good of the community uh, for the building up of the people of god the fullness of what we need from the holy spirit here at the eugene church of christ it's found in its variety a variety of gifts and talents where everyone has something to give, everyone has a role to play, everyone has a part. I believe that. And these words from Paul, they really speak against the lone wolf kind of phenomenon that has crippled so many Christians in America and so many churches in America. Uh, Because no matter how many gifts a person has, no matter how talented they are, No one person is sufficient for the building of the church except Jesus Christ himself, the head of the church. So among us, I would say that there is no such thing as celebrity Christians, uh, Christians that are more valuable or more important than others. You know, some of us have more upfront roles and kinds of service, and uh, we are honored for that. But that never degrades, should degrade into something of a spiritual pecking order or we, where we place some as more valuable than others. Uh, Paul basically says if we are trying to say, oh, those are the really important roles and these are the really important people, uh, and these, not so much. So let's not worry about those so much. If we de- let that degrade into some kind of value judgment that we... That we place, we have missed the point of spiritual gifts altogether. What is your role in this church? What part are you supposed to be playing? Do you have any skin in the game? Or are you just kind of a casual observer? People can be very flippant about their involvement in church. This is just my thinking. When your involvement with church is arm's length and lukewarm, you are distancing yourself from gifts that you need to receive from the church. And you are withholding gifts that you need to give to the church. Because if you exercise those gifts for the community, this is going to be a better place. We're going to be stronger. God will be praised. He will be honored. How are you helping your church? How are you serving in this church? Are you leaving your church hanging? Are you around here enough and involved here enough and in deep enough relationships that you're able to receive the spiritual gifts that are available to you in the church that the body has for you? Do you bring a consumer mentality with you to church? Oh, I like this song, Leader. I like these songs. I, I'm just, I like the. Oh, Calvin did a good job today. Bless his little heart. He sure is trying. <laughs> As Americans, we're taught to have a consumer mentality. We bring that with us everywhere we go. The customer's always right. You fulfill your obligations, and then we will do our part. We will give you the money or the praise or the... And so it's, it's very easy for us unintentionally to kind of take a kind of stance or a role of, okay, Lord, show me something impressive and I'll give you my heart. Okay, Lord, do something amazing among me and then I will invest. And uh, when we distance ourselves... Uh, from God that way, we're not just hurting ourselves, we're robbing the body of Christ of important gifts and services that you're meant to perform. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that there isn't time for seasons of stepping back and rest, but how long is that season going to last? Yeah, they pushed a little hard, or I was burnt out, and I need some space, and I'm going to take that space, How long will that season go on? If you've been kind of just in this orbit for not just months, but years, and you don't really expect much of your church, and you don't really give much to it, how long will you stay in that place? It's not just hurting you, it can hurt this church body as well. Now, the Lord, in a special way, is going to provide everything this church needs and, he, and there's no shortage of things there. Uh, that if, if you have a special gift to give that you are unwilling to exercise or give to the body, that will come some other place. And you will miss out on that blessing. And you won't be able to grow into it the same way. Uh, uh, but when you have a spirit of service to your church... And you don't just wait around being told what to do. You find good things to do, and you go and do it. You will be blessed in that. You will grow in that. Good will come from that. Blessings will flow to brothers and sisters in Christ through that. God will be honored through the steps of concrete action that you take. Well, what are these gifts of the Holy Spirit? Well, armchair critic is not a spiritual gift from the Spirit. Uh, But there are a number that Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians. And we don't fully understand these, I would say, anymore. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom Paul's point here isn't to teach us about these gifts, but rather to show the rich variety of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that the Spirit chooses to bestow on individuals and a church for the sake of building up this community, for the sake of the common good. And I would even say that this is not an exhaustive list that we are given here. There are more gifts that the Holy Spirit bestows Um, some more spectacular, some more humble in origin. But they are intended, Paul is intending to broaden the narrow view that the Corinthians, some of them at least, had focused in on of, oh, we have this gift of tongues. We know that we are more blessed than maybe some of these other people who are coming here. but since all of these gifts have this one source in the Holy Spirit who distributes them as he pleases it makes it a lot harder for us to build a a spiritual pecking order out of that Uh, you don't earn Holy Spirit gifts based on merit or ability or talent or good looks They're just something that are freely received as a grace. And because Paul's point is to this variety of gifts and the source of the gifts, uh, he doesn't go into great detail about the, uh, the, what all of these gifts entail and the way that they functioned in the church. That's not his interest here. But in this context and in other parts of 1 Corinthians and the Scriptures in general, there are some things that we can learn about this and some deductions that we can make. So if we are to list this out from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, here are the gifts that he mentions. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, gift of faith, a gift of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, uh, distinguishing between spirits is a kind of discernment, tongues and interpretation of tongues, which go together. So I'm just going to say a brief word about each of these. I hope it's helpful. As I will say, I, there's a lot I don't understand, but at least hopefully I can get you thinking about some of this. Uh, first off, the words of wisdom and knowledge. I'll deal with those two together because they function largely the same way. Uh, the word of wisdom and a word of knowledge is a communication uh, uh, from God or could be uh, uh, one of God's messengers, I suppose, uh, that wisdom or knowledge that a disciple of Jesus receives directly from the Lord. Uh, this gift entails the receiving of knowledge or wisdom or insight into some issue uh, directly from, through means of the Spirit. And usually the way that works is that it comes to us in the form of an idea or a thought or an idea that comes to us. Uh, which is then passed on to the church. So one of the things I love about uh, being a preacher of this congregation is I believe that the Holy Spirit does this for me. A lot of times, I owe a lot of what I say to the wisdom of other disciples that have gone on before me. I've got a lot of that from books. Uh, I I say stuff that. Is probably not quite accurate all the time, and I'm because I'm human and I'm learning. But sometimes I have thoughts and ideas that are beyond Calvin Gruen, and they go out and they are able to convict, and the Holy Spirit uses those and to bless, and it is a word of insight or wisdom or knowledge. Uh, that ends up being a beautiful thing, and I don't always know when this happens. I don't control this. I'm just, I'm happy for those times that I think, thank you, Lord, for using someone like me to bless your people, and so that those thoughts or those ideas, that's something that we received, and it's passed on to the community of faith. Could be a, a simple conversation. Could be in a context of teaching. Uh, could be in a context of fellowship. That this comes in a lot of ways, even our worship, uh, that can it can come into that setting. All right. So uh, these this word of wisdom or knowledge that is received or spoken, it addresses a lot of times some immediate need within the church. Probably it comes in response to prayers and seeking guidance over certain issues. Um, if, we, if we, as a church, poured ourselves out in prayer asking for guidance with a specific issue, I believe the Lord would still find ways to help us and uh, honor our sincere desire for some kind of knowledge or wisdom or insight from God. All right, a gift of faith is the next one. Gift of faith. Uh, if you are a disciple of Jesus, you have some measure of faith or else you would not be here and you wouldn't be involved. But a gift of faith, I think that this is something beyond... Uh, I would, I, it seems to be something that is shown in the Scriptures a little bit like a surge of complete trust or confidence that comes to a disciple in uh, response to some situation some kind of need or crisis or challenge that's arisen and it comes to us as a trust a kind of certainty and assurance that God has this situation in hand I can't carry this I can't figure it all out I can't understand this but you have this deep sense of trust that God has your back and that he's going to take care of things Even the impossible things. And when that gift of faith comes, that assurance comes to us through the Holy Spirit that God is in control, you know that no matter what happens, God is working for your good and your blessing. And you believe that so much that no one can convince you otherwise even if the circumstances you inhabit are particularly horrible right now. So a gift of faith allows us to surrender our need to control, our need to manipulate, our need to mitigate the circumstances around us because we realize I'm powerless here, and somehow that gift of faith, that gift of assurance comes. in the form of unshakable trust and confidence in your Lord. And when that happens, it allows us to lay whatever burdens we've been carrying down and to move forward into greater freedom in Christ. So Paul in chapter 13, he talks about faith that can move mountains. That's drawing on words of Jesus from Mark chapter 11, 23 and 24. And directly in Mark 11, 23 and 24, Uh, Jesus links faith together with prayer. That gift of faith that the Holy Spirit gives is usually associated with some fervent prayer going on. Not that uh, those who are invested in prayer, not that our prayers earn this gift of faith, uh, but prayer does open us up and moves us into a posture of being able to receive what the Holy Spirit wants to give to us. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Gifts of healing. Uh, A gift of healing, James tells us, it is also connected to both faith and prayer. In uh, James chapter 5, verse 15, it says, The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. So a gift of healing relates to a disciple being a channel of the Holy Spirit's power passed on in prayer by faith, often involving the laying on of hands, that results in the power of God working through and healing an individual, coming into them and healing them. Um, That's not the exhaustive way that that healing can happen. God also heals at a distance. Our prayers offered up in intercession at a distance. We don't know all the good that God does based on that Uh, healing can come to us also uh, healing from sickness but healing comes to us also um, through words I'm not against or in any way opposed to the idea of God using uh, means words like through a counselor or a minister or a spiritual director uh, to bring healing to a person or a person's life Uh, Healing of a sort also comes through the knowledge and training and expertise of medical medical professionals, people who have given themselves over to learning the craft of healing um, and the best uh, uh, our healthcare industry has to offer. But if it's a gift of healing, somehow the result is so much greater than the input that people notice and give glory to God for the result. This person should not be alive. This person should not be whole and sound and in their right mind, but they are. To God be the glory. Um, Miraculous powers, the working of miracles, this is a work that is beyond what is normally expected. It's not something that we would expect to happen in our world today or in the life of our church. Uh, it is when something that is strictly speak and, uh, speaking speaking, uh, we thought was impossible, and the impossible takes place. Uh, this would, I would say, include things like a spontaneous healing in that moment with the laying on of hands uh, and prayer Uh, the scriptures show different examples of this uh, through resurrection through exorcisms I think it would be a work of power Uh, uh, what the Holy Spirit did to protect the church and lead the church into Gentile inclusion uh, what the Holy Spirit did in the book of Acts with Ananias and Sapphira those were works of power Uh, Peter was involved in speaking a word and life was withdrawn. Uh, So these are situations where God has intervened in the regular course of life in a supernatural way. (coughs) (coughs) Works of power provide breakthrough for individuals and churches. They demolish satanic strongholds And they work in some unexpected way uh, that leads to God being recognized and glorified among us in some kind of special way. All right, it's a gift of prophecy. These are words that were spoken in a gathered congregation, as we read in 1 Corinthians. Many times these came spontaneously. They came from both men and women uh, for the purpose of building up the church. Uh, We've already read some about that in 1 Corinthians. Um, And there's some things that we can say about what biblical prophecy looks like. I think it's always spoken under an umbrella somehow of pointing to... Or honoring Jesus Christ. It always brings us back to glorifying God. Prophecies especially involved elements of encouragement, consolation, and probably teaching in some way. They probably involved the scripture applied to current issues for the church or an individual. Uh, that word of scripture that fits perfectly the realities of your heart and your life, that the prophecy can work that way to bring you uh, uh, consolation or encouragement or help teach you and move you in a different direction. And uh, it's something that glorifies God. Well, we'll talk more about this when we get to chapter 14, where Paul deals with that more. Gifts of uh, discernment or distinguishing between spirits. Uh, this gift seems to be maybe one that was lacking a little bit in Corinth uh, because they could not see how their stances, how their pride had worked in, how their spiritual pecking order, how what they had taken from their old lifestyle uh, around wisdom and knowledge, how that had crept in and was destroying the unity of the church. It was creating factions. It was making things difficult. Um, this gift seems to involve discerning possible spiritual attacks or dangers that would come against the church. Um, it helps a church assess uh, and evaluate the fruit of spiritual activities that take place. Is this prophecy that was offered? Is that in line with Scripture? That would be a kind of discernment? Or is this a false teaching? That would be a kind of discernment. Uh, this gift serves a protective function in the church. Uh, the scriptures are huge uh, with the gift of discernment. Uh, to be a discerning disciple, uh, you have to have a mind bathed in the scriptures, I would say. Um discernment of different kinds. Uh, that's maybe a, a job of protection or a gift of protection. Um, Maybe some of us would have a special role in that, and our eldership has a special charge in protecting us, I think, from false teaching and uh, discerning spiritual attacks that could harm this body. Um, This gift further, it might involve judgment uh, as to whether a person is demon-possessed or whether a particular a particularly the disruptive or dangerous spirit is at work in an individual's life or in the community of the church. I don't think we always know the specifics of this. Um, sometimes those those attacks they come and they go. Uh, and we can't largely identify them, but sometimes the Lord gifts people to have special knowledge to know when something like this is happening, And, and will raise up people to bring attention to that for the sake of protecting this body from some harm that would befall. So, uh, for example, you could say, um, I notice that there is a spirit of complaining at work among some of the older women of this Congregation And maybe that kind of Word would Draw attention to something And help people kind of Evaluate their their Actions and maybe move Things in a better direction uh, Would help protect The body but I will say there's, there's So much I don't know about all Of this but at the same time I don't think we have to be Afraid of it, and we don't have to just brush this stuff aside and say it doesn't matter and it doesn't happen. Uh, in fact, we'll come to talk about that some more in coming up weeks. Uh, but generally, uh, distinguishing between spirits it serves a protective function in our church. It helps uh, it helps us identify false teaching, and when things go sideways, specific spiritual attacks, and when action needs to be taken uh, with some situations. Tongues and the interpretation of tongues. I'm just walking all through it today, aren't I? I'm just in it. I'm in it. Uh, Some things that we can say about tongues, again, we're gonna deal with this more coming up in chapter 14, so I'm not gonna say this exhaustively. Tongues are directed to God himself as a part of a person's praise or prayer. And so it becomes clear in upcoming verses in 1 Corinthians that speaking in tongues is something that largely edifies an individual, Uh, but it's useless to the gathered church community unless it is paired together with the interpretation of tongues. So uh, it's somehow unintelligible, some unintelligible sound is coming out and being made, that unless that person or another interprets it, it's going to be missed its meaning by a large portion of the congregation. So we can say that much about it. Uh, for my part, I will just say I don't find it particularly odd or threatening that when a disciple of Jesus is fervently involved in praise and prayer, that some odd or unintelligible sounds could slip out from time to time. Paul's concern here seems to be uh, more uh, the potential of the disruption of a church service. And what we are doing in our worship together That he's trying to mitigate And limit that a little bit And he kind of gives this as a lower Kind of priority in the spiritual Gifts and other Gifts he elevates as more um, More helpful For the sake of the body Because it seems just reading From the context that in Corinth That this is one that they really had A lot of and they put way up there As something that was really Important to them so if a person is in fervently involved in praise and prayer and uh, some unintelligible sounds come out or things like that, I, I just, I don't, I'm not in the game of saying, hey, this is tongues and this is not tongues. Uh, we're so... It's not ever going to be a problem for us here. We're, we're really good at hiding our emotions. And... Uh, Uh, no one laughs at my jokes, and uh, when, I I mean, we're not, we're not in a place where we're opening ourselves up for this kind of uh, expression of the Holy Spirit, uh, I think largely, or many times, and yet sometimes we've been in situations, some of us are in the privacy of our, our own homes, or our personal prayer life, where, and we probably don't even realize it's happening, who knows the sounds that come out, and the way that this all works. I'm not saying that that's tongues. I'm not saying it's not tongues. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that more in, in chapter 14. But again, with all of these things, I don't think we have to be afraid of them. I don't think we have to say God does not do that anymore because I see nothing in Scripture that really commands us to, to not believe in these things anymore and cut them off. I think that we can be open-handed with a sense of mystery at what God might receive. So we'll talk about this more because 1 uh, uh, Corinthians talks about certain things ceasing and that these remain, and it's in this time of whether we see dimly as in a mirror or the time that we see clearly as face-to-face. We do know that we can say this, uh, Romans 8:26, B and 27. The spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. It's not necessarily our words or groans, the Spirit's, but somehow this place of prayer and praise where hearts are opened and pouring themselves out to God, the Holy Spirit is a bridge in that and that there is a connection to the Lord there uh, that blesses us. But if there's not that gift of interpretation with that, Uh, it's not going to do any good for us as a collected body or as a a corporate body. Okay, let me try to wrap this up this morning. I notice a lot of people getting up and leaving, so uh, hopefully it's just nature calls. Here's our last verse for the morning, and then we'll be done. All of these, these gifts that we've talked about, all of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. The Holy Spirit knows what this church needs. We're not abandoned, we're not orphans. We're going to have everything we need to be God's church here in our time and in this place. He knows what you can handle as an individual. We will not always understand the way that the Holy Spirit distributes His gifts or why He does it. But we can humble ourselves and not let our pride and prejudice stand in the way of what the Holy Spirit would like to do among us. I think that's what Paul is getting at in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and I find this very helpful as well. Do not quench the Spirit's fire. Do you hear me, church? Do not quench the Spirit's fire. Apart from a lot of humility and a whole lot of faith, it is very easy to quench the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test everything. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. We have everything we need. We are equipped in every way necessary to do the work of God here in this community, in this time, in this place. We don't have to fear or worry about or try to control what the Holy Spirit wants to do among us, because the Holy Spirit gives us also an understanding of the Scripture. He also gives this gift of discernment. We have people who have a kind of God-given role and gift to help protect this body and uh, protect us from uh, false teaching and from uh, things that would distract us and derail us as a congregation. So a few closing thoughts and we'll be done this morning. We have everything we need to be the Lord's church in this time and place. Sometimes elements of various gifts of the Holy Spirit that we read uh, in this chapter are assumed under different labels or different roles, uh, and sometimes these gifts they can come and go. And per, uh, uh, I could be used by the Lord in a special time uh, for the healing of another person with words or in the pra- a prayer that the Spirit uses that, uh, and and the next times that I do that, nothing and nothing, there's no result, and when I pray for people, they get sicker and uh, do worse, and uh, they don't want me to pray for them anymore, and we don't control this, and just because something happens in this particular time and place, it doesn't mean it will continue, and it doesn't mean that this person, but sometimes it happens regularly enough that certain gifts are associated with certain individuals in the body for the blessing of the, and bringing the common good. Uh, Many great gifts of the Spirit work quietly and humbly, and sometimes they're hidden in mundane things that go unnoticed by most people. Uh, So we might not talk about gifts of prophecy, but the work of prophecy that comes in instruction and encouragement, and those things are still at work and happening in the church body, in Uh, sometimes they're so humble and they're so quiet that it's just it's the Holy Spirit tiptoes in and tiptoes out and we haven't even thanked him or noticed him and I believe that all the gifts Paul mentioned exist in some form or another uh, in the church universal still today and uh, there are a lot of Church of Christ preachers who uh, would say no that's not true and they speak against that and miracles have ceased and uh, we, the Lord doesn't do these things anymore and I'm not one of those guys and I have reasons for that and I can talk to you about that I'm a bit of a mystic I just want to open handed be Lord give me whatever you want to give me Lord give this church whatever you want to give this church because we need help Culture war around us, the noise and the lies that we are inundated with daily. We need the fire of the Holy Spirit. to help us be strong to stand against the waves of a culture turned against us to stand against our own propensity to sin our own weakness and desire to just throw in the towel and give up in open handed faith and in a prayer and the humility asking for the Lord of the harvest to provide workers for the harvest field, I don't think that we are left as orphans in any way. I'm not saying I've seen all of these things. I'm not saying it's going to be just like... But who knows what the Lord might do on our behalf if we trust and we ask... And we trust the scriptures to guide us. And we trust the faith, hope, and love that grows in a church body. And who knows, as that work of sanctification continues in our lives, suddenly things that were impossible, maybe by God's action, they would start to become more possible. I already think it's a miracle that we're all here together and we're somehow getting along how stubborn and broken we are and yet we are a body and we're learning to love each other and we're learning to use these gifts to, to help each other and to make God look great among us. That's my desire for the glory of God to be at work in this church. Alright, so some tough stuff. Dad, you can come up. Uh, our invitation uh, is to just kind of chew on these things and uh, ask the Lord's help to understand them and I don't claim to have it all figured out myself uh, but I want to be open handed if anything the Lord wants to give us so if you want to put the Lord on in baptism if you need the prayers of this church um, we can continue that conversation together I'll be up here up front and uh, We'll go ahead and we'll stand and sing together. Six hundred and thirty six.